You're listening to Rookie Pirate Radio, the official anime and manga podcast for In Between Drafts. I'm Travis Hymas, and our inflappable co-host, John Negroni, has uh, departed for other seas. Uh, and I'll tell you about that a little bit more in a moment. But first, I'm joined here by Quinn Paroulis, uh, who has written for the anime section quite a bit. And if you've been listening to every episode, you'll know that name and you'll understand that there's a lot of lore to what we're about to unleash here, which we'll get into in a moment. Uh, but first, really quick, we're going to be discussing One Piece chapter 1102 entitled Kuma's Life. And this will be a spoiler-filled review. So please, if you haven't already, make sure you go give that a read on the Shonen Jump or Viz Manga apps. Uh, They're available for free for the first three weeks of publication. Or you can subscribe for $3 a month to Shonen Jump, which we heavily recommend uh, because it's just the best deal in digital comics. Uh, but yeah, before we dive into things really quick, I just want to open this note here that John left for me before we, uh, before he departed. Uh, and he says here, dear Travis, I have become consumed by a desire to have conversations with our fellow one piece fans. And I just don't know how to do that. So I'm getting on an airplane and I am going on a tour to find other one piece fans around the world and discuss this wonderful manga with them. And for some reason, he sent this to me in a bottle, like he stuck it in a bottle and then like had it FedExed because I live in Utah and there's no, you know, no way to send it via sea. But uh, John, if you're listening, we have a discord. It's this wonderful app that you could just go into the in-between drafts discord server and we have a one piece spoilers channel right there you could just use that it's it's what i recommend and if you need a link to that server it's in the show notes below so feel free to jump in on that uh and if you're a little bit shy you don't want to have a conversation with us over there um you also don't have to send a message in a bottle you could send us an email at rookiepirateradio at gmail.com and I'll say it again because someone's going to ask me to, rookiepirateradio at gmail.com. All right, Quinn, before we get into the main beats of the chapter, though, I want you to introduce yourself. Uh, please, uh, for the audience, let's get a little bit of a lore dump here uh, on who you are, what you do with In Between Drafts, and uh, why uh, some may say that we've revealed you a little too early. Well, yo, ho, ho, ho. Um, I am Quinn. Thank you for... Uh... Letting me on your beloved podcast, I've listened to so many episodes, and I'm just such a fan. I think I'm kind of just, I've always said, the ghost in the machine of in-between drafts. My wife is Allie, and she kind of runs a bit of the show, and I've known a lot of you guys for a while. I tend to uh, chip in on the game section, and the anime section, and the music section, and pretty much all of it except film at this point, so it's kind of exciting to get to someday. Um, I am a pretty recent One Piece fan as of, like... I could give you the exact day that I got into it, but it's been about a year and two months. And um, my history with manga in general was just a little bit of jump back in the day, but it was mostly just Dragon Ball Z and Naruto and just kind of the generic ones. And then I dropped off for a long time and started reading Chainsaw Man when the show got announced. And I did the whole thing in a day. And it was just so much fun that I was like, what could I do next? Oh, one that I can't do in a day. And I went for the longest thing possible. I think I had a friend that described it. I asked them what I should read next. And they said, Haha, you could do One Piece, but I'm never touching Oda's Odyssey. 
And I've kind of loved that description of it because I think the Odyssey is like one of the best things in fiction. And I was like, well, might as well jump into One Piece. And I did the whole thing in about two months, kind of as a challenge to myself. And ever since then, it's kind of just become my personality. I live and die by the Straw Hats. Um, I am going to be King of the Pirates. So that's uh, just a little bit about myself. And uh, and I'm really excited to get to talk with you about the current chapter outside of our own uh, chats. This will be a lot of fun. Uh, but let's go over what that chapter actually is. Uh, so this is the main beats for chapter 1102, Kuma's Life. The cover page is another uh, uh, fan request. It's Bonnie eating hot dogs that are being carefully prepared by wolves. Uh, it's adorable, but honestly, we've got a lot to get into, so uh, I'm just going to hit it. Uh, so we open with the Bonnie pirates uh, arriving on a certain island with her crew noting that this must be where Kuma is hiding. Reminding them that they need to call her captain as she is now posing as her more familiar age to us, they disembark and Marines call the crew scum as they leave behind only injured seniors and babies wherever they go. And then Bonnie does the same thing to them. Kuma is on the island, but here's the ruckus and pawpaws away, mentally urging her to not seek him out and questioning her choice to become a pirate. Setting sail again, Bonnie expresses continued frustration at another dead end and is told that the search will likely take some time, especially with their status as pirates. Bonnie then decides that they should also seek out the sun god Nika so that when Kuma is found, she can gloat about where they found Nika. And right on cue, the chapter transitions to Luffy, now with his first bounty following his defeat of Arlong. We cut to Dragon, who accurately predicts Luffy's next stop, and begins to depart, with Sabo asking why Logetown, and Dragon tries to throw him off the scent by asking who is stationed there, cutting us over to Smoker, looking at the wanted poster as well. Parallel to Sabo's panel in the chapter is Ace, showing off Luffy proudly to Jimbei, who expresses abject shock that such a boy could defeat Arlong. Kuma too reacts to Luffy's new bounty, noting the irony of both his and Dragon's children becoming pirates. Returning to Bonnie, she establishes the rules for the crew. Steal whatever you want, but only from bad guys. And also, help no one unless they really need it. Bonnie also establishes her look as we know it. As predicted before, the ring that she has under her eye is there to replace the jewel that was previously on her face so that her father will recognize her. Her lipstick is also a choice made to make her look more mature. And of course, the rest of the crew are a bunch of burly fishermen, so they are just kind of like, yeah, that's how lipstick works, sure. She then resolves to become famous so that Kuma will know that she's out there and ready to be reunited. We cut then to shortly after the events of Ennis Lobby, Kuma is on Egghead for his next upgrade and observes the pacifistas in progress, calling it eerie when he realizes just how much like him they look. Vegapunk mentions that the progress on them is going just as well as, him, as his own, before mentioning Luffy's actions at Ennis Lobby, prompting Kuma to reveal Luffy's parentage, noting that it doesn't really matter because Vegapunk is going to see Kuma's memories anyway, so he might as well come clean now. Vegapunk is shocked, and Kuma then notes the circumstances of a man with the power of rubber standing up to fight the government, just like the sun god Nika. Time moves forward again to Kuma's arrival on Thriller Bark. 
showing his power against the Straw Hats as they refuse to surrender Luffy to him, which leads to, as we all know, nothing happening whatsoever. But also Kuma notes that the amount of force that Zoro took in in that moment might have been enough to knock himself out, so have fun with that power scalers. Kuma departs, observing that Luffy has exceptional friends, which makes sense, being Monkey D. Dragon's son. Time jumps again to Saba Odi as Kuma receives his summons to arrive at Marineford for Ace's execution. But before departing, he decides that since this is going to be the last time he has the opportunity, he's going to sneak a peek at Bonnie as we see her in her first introduction on Saba Odi all those years ago, now with the context of Kuma watching from a window. He says farewell to her in his mind and is proud of the rugged pirate that she's become. But before he can depart, his attention is drawn to a commotion outside the human auction house, where, of course, Luffy has delivered the most satisfying punch in all of One Piece. Kuma is in awe at the crew's audacity, as the chapter reminds us that Usopp also assaulted a celestial dragon, albeit by accident. The Straw Hats have done something that no one has done in centuries, all to protect a fisherman. We then see the climax of Sabaody from Kuma's perspective. As we predicted, he sent the Straw Hats away because they were not ready for the challenge of the New World. However, this is not done as a favor to Dragon, but because, as Kuma wills to Luffy in his thoughts as our rubber hero weeps before him, Luffy will someday be the man who saves the world. Finally, the end has come. As Kuma gears up for his final modification, Saint Saturn contacts Vegapunk and orders a self-destruct switch installed in Kuma's body. This way, the Gorosei can detonate Kuma should he turn against them, even without his willpower. To Vegapunk's credit, he tries to negotiate with Saturn to get clearance to install something that would allow the ability to switch between mental states as a way of affording Kuma just a little bit of willpower in exchange for this modification. Saturn completely shoots down this idea, reaffirming that he too is a scientist and cannot be befooled by, by Vegapunk's ideas. Kuma thanks Vegapunk for thinking of him, but that it is okay. He's made his peace. The two reminisce as they prepare, noting that they've enjoyed each other's company. Vegapunk confirms that Kuma will be sent to Marineford after this moment, and Kuma asks to have a mission programmed in following that one, to protect the Thousand Sunny, the home of the Straw Hat Pirates, until they return. When asked what Kuma sees in Luffy, Kuma says that Luffy shakes him to his very core and then makes a shocking confession. Nika is just a legend, but it's one that Kuma passionately installed in Bonnie. If such a hero were to exist, Kuma thinks that it must be Monkey D. Luffy. Kuma then extracts the memory bubble we've seen before for Vegapunk, noting that if it doesn't remove his own memories, then that direct access will destroy the bubble. Vegapunk has already accounted for this, though, which will definitely not become a thing later on in the chapter, and it will allow him to peek inside as soon as Kuma places it where he needs. Kuma then sits back, and Vegapunk begins the final process. Kuma looks at the bubble he's just released and thinks on the life that he's had and wonders to himself how much of a nuisance he was. The bubble glows, and we see a version of Kuma running as images of everyone he's loved call out to him. 
as Vegapunk's promise that Bonnie will live echoing as he runs into the distance. Vegapunk grabs the final lever and weepingly informs Kuma that the only nuisance is his own death. Kuma is nothing but a hero, especially to those who loved him. Kuma smiles and thanks Vegapunk for this, leaving him with his final words, which hover as all of Egghead mourns and Vegapunk collapses with the final lever. Kuma's gratitude and final request fill the f- our final panels as we return to the previous night on Egghead Island, Bonnie weeping on the ground, thinking of those final words as Kuma asks Vegapunk to wish his daughter a happy 10th birthday. And then it's holiday break for Jump. So Quinn, first off, how do you feel about this chapter? Uh, Well, that was a beautiful summary for an even more beautiful chapter. This is one of my favorites in like, not like maybe the whole series, but just in a while. It is the perfect climax to the amazing flashback. And like every page had so much going on. We're going to have so much to talk about. I'm just blown away by this one. It's, it's kind of amazing that all of this just fits in like, like really at this point we're there's nothing that we're seeing that we don't already have a decent understanding for Right. It's not really a revelation that Kuma saved the straw hats purposefully right it's it's not really that shocking that you know his actions at thriller bark were basically a cop-out like none of this is too surprising at this point but that's not really the point it's really about like showing the end of someone's life and that's kind of one of the things one piece does best weirdly enough yeah, I always love that the flashbacks come at the perfect time to add to the story. I've seen some other shows where they use them almost as weapons, jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But here, it just adds so much by, like you said, it's nothing new, but it fills in every gap around Kuma and, like, why he protected the Straw Hat ship and, like, his thoughts behind um, everything going on at Thiller Bark. And it was just, I don't know, I got so much out of it and it added so much to the story that we already knew. And everything just kind of felt like a cherry on top. And also just, yeah, looking back on the end of his life and just being pretty happy that he accomplished everything he ever wanted to, which saving Bonnie is just so powerful. That's a, that's a, that's a great place to zero in on because uh, I, I mentioned in our Discord, like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he, he believes Luffy's Nika and everything. And that makes sense. You know, the, the Nika revelation is, is just this fresh thing for us still. But I want I want to take into account that kuma is in fact smiling as vegapunk kind of erases what's left of him he he dies like this is a death scene right very very abundantly a death scene and he's smiling now of course we all know that that means something the the people who smile as they're expecting death are a special kind of person and i would like to posit that what is being communicated here specifically is not just that Kuma is a hero or that Kuma is a saint or that he's a, that he's a good person um, or even just the emotions of this moment. I think that this is very specifically reinforcing um, another kind of more recent thing that Egghead Island has brought to us um, to think about. And that's the idea that someone can become a member of the D clan. So I would posit to you Bartholomew D Kuma right now. <laughs> Oh. Like as a as a concept, it feels so because right. that's 
it, that's what we've seen here. Like, like specifically, like a lot of people are like, oh, he's like his own joy boy. But I, I think like, I want to go even more further into like the core of the series. Like this is the most D person thing we've seen in a really long time. I, I absolutely agree with that, but I feel like even more so than like embodying the D that Kuma is just the perfect example of how Luffy inspires people and just gets them to act in better ways and just unite themselves, which I guess might not fit perfectly because Kuma acted this way before he knew about Luffy, but I don't know, like, are the Ds the people who inspire or are they the ones who are motivated to bring good into the world? I feel like Kuma fits all of that and is just kind of... (laughs) the saint i think i think the d's are people who live like uh, you know this is of course the 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 original question right what does that mean uh i i think they're the i think at least in this context it's the people who live without regret kuma has he 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 lets this happen with no regrets and i do think that knowing that luffy exists like a lot of people were like does kuma figure it out does he know about luffy's devil fruit that's not the point and i i want to talk about that also on the side here but you, you know i think that that does help bring him some sort of closure you know in a way that like things are going to be okay like his daughter's not just going to live his daughter might get to live in a better world like that's what uh, what greater peace could you give someone whose entire life now centers around protecting and and making sure that this child survives like like it is the right kind of closure for him and i think that does give him that kind of peace it's the same thing with like ace's death for example ace seeing the extent that people went to to save him is itself kind of giving him the closure on his life he otherwise wouldn't have very good point Jeez, it's just, I don't know. I just felt so much power in that, um, particularly the scene where we do just see Kuma's life flashing before his eyes and everyone that has loved him and that he's impacted. And you're right, that does just feel like the kind of thing that someone with the D, um, most of them that we've seen so far, just kind of do is live without regret and inspire others. And the amount of people that Kuma's lives have touched is incredible here. And just dying with a smile on his face just feels perfect for him (laughs) yeah it's 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 right and it's uh you know i don't really you know in retrospect i don't want to say i predicted this because i didn't (laughs) but in retrospect it feels if it feels like it's the only way that it could have ended for for this character um it it, in multiple ways uh you know whatever happened this is kind of one of the things that's so incredible about one piece is this shouldn't work there shouldn't be the ability to introduce a character back when I was in like junior year of high school, tell us nothing about him and just continually feed weird behaviors of this character, you know, over the course of, of a few years and then do nothing with that for a long time. And then all this time later, over a decade later, decide that now you're going to reveal their entire backstory and have that hit like a truck. It shouldn't be possible to do this. And yet this might be the best demonstration yet of Oda doing that again. And it's just, it's perfect payoff, which my favorite thing about one piece in general is like every like water seven onwards. It is just payoff constantly and everything coming back that you've already seen in ways you never expect. 
And I've always been kind of impressed that One Piece is always just smarter than you. Like, you can't really predict what's coming. Like, Kuma, you kind of can fill in some of these gaps and guess where his story's going if you tried really hard. But not like this. This is... it. Like, even though we knew all of this, it is just came out of a little bit out of left field because I think you guys have mentioned before that the worst generation was kind of just thought up on the whim because they were cool and he didn't have plans for him. And then all of us, we met Kuma pretty decently before that, but then you have Bonnie as his kid and it just adds even more and more to this perfect bow on top of just his story. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's kind of funny because not only were the worst generation, something that, that uh, Oda came up with kind of, unexpectedly less less ad hoc but the seven warlords themselves were kind of something that he added later there was uh there was i think it was a color walk or something where oda kind of noted that like originally the plan was get out to the grand line and do the 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 yonko like it was just gonna be that and then he thought oh maybe we put a little bit of like a, a buffer between that and that's more or less how we started getting uh the seven warlords but even that you know even that stuff you know was back when oda you know oda's editors were kind of able to influence the story for lack of a better term they could go hey maybe we do this maybe we do this uh vivi for example famously was not a princess until oda like did a sketch of her with her hair down and one of uh, someone else on staff was like hey that looks like a princess character and he was like oh oh yeah you're right actually and and like roll with it like he, he's extremely flexible in his storytelling which is wild for somebody who just makes it look like this has all been planned there is no way when he drew kuma at the introduction of the seven warlords like the other seven warlords there is no way he had this planned there it's literally impossible but he's a really good storyteller so he knows how to make it work and it, it just shows and every, every step of the way here. It just shows um, the panel redraws. I don't know if you noticed that the panel redraw with uh, Luffy's first bounty. Everybody's in the same spot that they were when that happened. You know, it, in the very first saga of one piece, like That's he redrew it. it. It is. It's nuts. Um, you know, the, the thriller bark redraws are a little less so, but I'm, I'm willing to forgive that if, if you are, uh, cause you want to have everybody in the, in the panel and you only have so much work room to work with, uh, panel work also for this chapter. Uh, how awful is it in cold of him to put Sabo on one panel on one side of the page and then put Ace on the other side? <laughs> oh, got my heart racing it's just like it just like draw, draws this line between them with the rest of the panels that's so good oh that's so good I, I love that stuff i also like the idea that ace direct like we knew that Jim Bay learned about luffy from ace but i like the idea that like ace didn't really introduce luffy until he was known to the world i like that for m many reasons um because it, it means Ace was like putting his faith that Luffy would make a name for himself first instead of just going around telling everybody that his brothers could be king of the pirates. Uh, but it also means that like Jimbei's first mention of Luffy is his fight with Arlong, which is just so narratively relevant for Jimbei as a character too. Uh, and I, I love Jimbei. So I, I love getting some surprise Jimbei lore here. Um, someone's going to correct me in the discord. I'm sure and be like, Oh, we already do that. And I'm like, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do want to talk about Luffy, though, because Luffy has been kind of woven in and out of this flashback in interesting ways. 
And I really want to highlight how much I love that Kuma never realizes what the gum gum fruit is. I know that's been floated around, but I love that. It is, it's everything that I could have asked for because I've been really nervous about this turning into like a chosen one narrative. And I think stuff like this really, really helps to reinforce that the reason that this works, like the reason Luffy is a joy boy uh, or, or the joy boy, I should say, is because of who he is who he is and chooses to be rather than like getting the fruit or even like being destined to do it like that. I, I, I live for that version of the story. I think that's so funny. Cause I had kind of, that crossed my mind while reading it of just like, Oh, he mentioned there's this kid with rubbery powers and like, Hey man, don't you realize that is your hero? But that's a good point that this makes it much more than just Luffy kind of just being obliged to that just on the nature of his fruit or being chosen for it. So it just, it kind of lends a lot more weight to his actions. And that's what inspires Kuma in the end to trust him is seeing him punch the celestial dragon and just take the actions that no one else will. So it gives him a little bit more agency there. Yeah, it does. Uh, You know, and, and Kuma confesses that like, like this man who's had this pious faith tied to this character, this figure, this whole time, and one of his final words is like, "He's just a legend. It's just, a, it's just a thing. It's just a story." Uh, that's that hits hard. Like, I'm probably gonna be thinking about that for a while. Is like he never, all those stories he told Bonnie, he knew it was bullcrap the whole time, but it was, it was it was for her sake and 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 i i love that and it's his faith it's just he believed that just having that as a symbol in his life led him the right way it's kind of what you want out of someone betting on a religion is to end up like kuma and he used it to inspire bonnie and then she became a a nice rugged pirate that was actually one of my a little aside, one of my favorite panels is when he's looking through the window at her and he's like, oh, what a rugged pirate you've grown into. And it's just her like chowing down on a bunch of food. That really uh, impressed him there. I, I, I mean, I love that panel because it's like it's, it's, it's giant heads coming through this window. And um, I did note this. Uh, I want to say Liam of uh, Grand Line Review noted this. Um, the two people who see him in the window are the same two people who react to Bonnie eating in that same restaurant uh, in her introduction panel. So like they just saw some of the craziest stuff they could ever see all in one like lunch uh, service, which is in, it's just kind of funny to think about just like, they're like, Oh wow, look at this girl go. And then they turn and they just see this guy out there. (laughs) This is is one of those things where the anime is going to have so much fun with this. Um, that I, I mean, for one, it's probably gonna make me ball like a baby. Oh yeah, because they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna take that running scene and just roll with it. But like, like the fact that they're gonna get to go back to stuff that they've animated, and if I'm being honest, not necessarily all that well in some spots. Um, th- I, they're gonna have a lot of fun with this. I think. Um, oh, I can't wait going back and doing stuff. So that's that's gonna be fun. I, I I'll look forward to them you know restaging this little sequence uh pretty funny you know with, with with some new humor added uh but really i mean if kuma's looking through that window and he's seeing her just absolutely going to town on an entire restaurant uh i mean 
that's the he dream. Just, he just sees Ginny. He just sees Ginny at that point, right? Like, like her <sighs> will has lived on in Bonnie. Like, what more could you give the man? He's, you made the thing I thought was funny a little sad. Now I have even more thoughts on it. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it's supposed to be, it, you know, it's it's melancholy. I would say more than anything else. Like this is a tragedy. This is very much tragedy, but but again, Kuma's already made his peace with it. Like at this point, he's already made his peace with it, uh, and then and then Sabote actually happens, and I think he goes from not just like making his peace, but like genuinely like, hey, there might be something I get I can do to secure the future, and and uh, it's 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 like one last act of rebellion of his own. Oh. That um that does remind me before we leave Sabote here. Um, my favorite part of all this, I think, might have been um his response to Luffy saying he couldn't save any of them, which to me is one of the most powerful moments in the series. Is when he just has that little breakdown, and just Kuma saying that's not true, you're just not ready, is so incredible. Just because it's kind of what you were hoping after you find out that he defends the ship, and like oh maybe he was doing it just for their own sake and not like for the government to just kind of split Luffy up, but that just like knowing that Luffy did everything he could and he could have saved them, but Kuma made sure that it wasn't going to work out that way. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a. I'm going to jump around a bit based on that because I I uh this is something that's kind of floating around in my head right now. Um, so this the final pages kind of confirm the obvious, which is that what we've been watching isn't actually Kuma's flashback, but it's Bonnie's flashback of going into Kuma's memories. That's why we get to see things that we otherwise, that Kuma would necessarily know otherwise. And that reminds me, oh, hey, what are the odds Bonnie actually shares some of this information with the Straw Hats directly? Oh, like, like going back and actually telling them what Kuma believes in them. <laughs> Depends on how the situation ends, but I still, I, I think Bonnie's leaving here with them. I'm still not sold on Vegapunk heading out with him, but at least now Bonnie has the vessel to pass all the information along to him. Even just a little bit more about um, Mika is going to be super valuable. So I can absolutely see this being how we further that plot along. It's just Bonnie giving him everything she learned from Kuma here. I would, I would, I would love for her to like share like all this touching stuff about Kuma, like telling them directly, like, no, he was protecting you at Saba Odi. Uh, yes, Frankie, he was protecting the ship. He was actually trying to help you. You're right. And all of that's fascinating. And then she starts talking about like Luffy's devil fruit and starts talking about all this stuff. And I would, uh, my, in my head, he immediately checks out right after that. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have no clue. And he's like, yeah, this he's, is cool and all, but past is out. He's going to be like, he's like, she's going to tell that whole thing and he's going to be off catching a bug on the other side of the ship. Just <laughs> completely like uh, I do wonder if at any point there anybody's going to be able to sit down and explain to Luffy what's going on, or if he's going to be just like, just tell Robin, she'll let me know if it's important. He does. Seem <laughs> That's kind of like what he does Bonnie, already. Though. He seems to like Bonnie enough he where does. he might listen to her. So I I can't he remember. Does, he doesn't. He, he knows her name. I was like, about he knows to say, her name. I didn't remember not, if he knew I, her or I, not. Well, he uh, he doesn't use a nickname for her, um, which is very rare. He only does it for the people he likes. Uh, you know, he doesn't get her name wrong. He calls her by her name. Uh, and he knows that her, that like something has changed between, you know, the previous night on Egghead and current events. Like he's, he's emotionally attuned to that. So 
you know, these two have been kind of set up as these kind of like, I, I hesitate to use this word properly, but like siblings almost, uh, because like that, that carries a lot of weight here, but like, may, or maybe like cousins would be a more apt <laughs> way of putting it. Cause there's a, di- I mean, I mean, let's be real. There's a different reality here where like everybody's happy and, and Kuma has Bonnie and dragon has Luffy and like, they would know each other. Like there's, there's that happy alternate universe idea and, and like their stories have been paralleling each other. Just like, uh, just like the brothers and like, like there's something there. Like, I don't want to put on, I, I'm not necessarily going to like subscribe to John's Bonnie as a straw hat theory. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about adding straw hats anymore, but uh, like there's a, there's gotta be a connection here, right? Like, like there's a point to this that's still to come. Absolutely. I've been kind of turned off by the whole idea of Bonnie and Luffy having, like, there's just been so many parallels to them that it has to be leading to something. Like, even, like they kind of nailed it home when she had the Nika arm in the last one. And it's just been like, I don't, I don't mind the idea of a new straw hat. I don't want her to be like actually related to him, which it seems like might be impossible unless we really play into Luffy's mom theories, which... John's oh yeah, no. I, so I mean, not. like, yeah, I totally mean in the found family sense of things. Like, like again, similar to like the relationship with like Ace and Sabo and the other the other members of the crew more than anything else, for sure. She could have just been the the fourth one there. She kind of fits the gang perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he he cares for his crew the same way he cares for Ace and Sabo, right? Like, yeah. that's that's the idea. Um, it's it's just with a with adding a straw hat at this point. I'm, you know, I don't know how many arcs of One Piece we have left, but like anybody who joins up at this point, even with like the the incredible flashback we just had, it feels like we're sprinting with them versus getting to spend time with them compared to the rest of the crew. Even Jimbei, like Jimbei, Jimbei joined late in the game, but the setup to get him to join the crew, uh, is is years worth of work. Uh, that's what makes when he finally does so good. Uh, like, how do you top that? I don't know. And then, of course, after you know they depart Wano, and the anime just did this episode. Uh, then he reveals the real dream to them, like the real objective at the end of this journey. Uh, and everybody's on the ship, and everybody hears it. Like that, really, to me, feels like the story cementing. These are the Straw Hat Pirates. This is who's going to the end. Like, like I can't get over that. I, I'm open to it changing if Oda wants to change it up. Uh, if he wants to have fun and, like, tease us again about the dream, maybe that could be fun. But I don't know. There's just that sense of, like, it's complete. Let's start winding this down now that I just can't shake. I think that's right. And I actually, I do think that introducing the Grand Fleet for them is kind of just how they get around that. Anyone that might have been part of the crew is now just able to slot into that as just part of his fleet. And Bonnie will probably be perfect for that. And actually, I've heard some people say that about Kid and Law now that their their crews are kind of out of commission. And I don't, I don't see Kid really oh, jumping on yeah. anyone else. I, but I a hundred percent expect Law to make his way back to the Straw Hats. Maybe not like as a as a joiner, but as like an omen. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's just, Watch but maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. He is, he's also a D clan member. So like something does have to bring these people together. Uh, side note, but you know, uh, jewelry D Bonnie, just throwing it out there. I mean, they already said you could have one if you want one, right? Like, 
if Sabo could get one, everybody can. That's how I feel about that. Uh, Sadie Bo. <laughs> Love that boy. Sadie Bo. Um, so, uh, uh, before I jump to my next question, anything else you want to call it specifically here in the chapter? Oh yeah, I um just another little insight that doesn't really add a whole lot, but God, I loved it when um Kuma was given the bubble to Zoro and he took the pain on, and even I might pass out from this one. What a great moment because it was already badass, and now it's just like this. He trusts this crew with Dragon's Kids so much, and. We uh we talked about it on this episode too. We were like, do you think like given the scale of that, like that's probably like really potent. Uh, yeah, because we were trying to like scale it to Kuma's body earlier uh, in the flashback, and like, like I want to say that like that line about oh this might knock me out really is just like Oda just absolutely messing with people, <laughs> just oh. being like. Like, like, oh, now you have to figure out how to give Sanji one of these bubbles to see how stronger he is than Zoro, <laughs> like, like that kind of thing. Oh, but, but you're right. It is. I mean, that is one of the best Zoro moments in the entire series. Uh, it is like for one, it's just cool as heck. It's still cool as heck all this time later that he just does that and never says a word about it. And like Sanji never says a word about it because they're bros. Uh, and and so, like, to add that context of just, like, oh, yeah, Kuma, the undefeated, like, I think Kuma has the cleanest fight record in anybody in One Piece. <laughs> and, like, he's like, oh, man, this might actually knock me on my butt. And Zoro just stands there and takes it. That's good. I like that. That's, that is, it, I agree. That's a good moment. Absolutely. It's, it's a great reminder. And then, um, uh, and it, you know, it, yeah, my only the, other specific moment in this chapter, I just, that page with Kuma running is just one of the best pages like singular pages in the series for me it just encapsulates this guy's whole life and everything he's been running towards and i don't know that one really hit me super hard i i love that it's only like even in the moments where it feels like he like there's that moment in the middle where he stumbles in between um Ginny and bonnie uh where it's kind of like signaling like he almost lost his way and then Bonnie comes around and gives him purpose, right? Amazing. But, like, it's not, you know, Saturn's face doesn't appear there, right? Like, their slave masters don't appear there. King Bakori doesn't appear there. Uh, it's, it is just, it is just the things that define him. And it turns out that the things that define him are just the people who, who he loved and loved him back. They're all saying his name, they're all saying it with hearts and with emotion. Uh, and dragon is also there you know like <laughs> there's a, it's just so touching and again the anime is probably just going to take this and absolutely destroy our sinuses with it it's gonna look so good you know what it made me think of was um the newest the trigun season from this year the final episode when bash is running during that uh amazing last episode um that's what this kind of reminded me of, of just kuma running through his life and just, I bet this is going to look so good when it gets animated. You're going to have a lot of fun oh, yeah. with that. Oh, yeah, that's a good connection. So that's, a, that's a really good connection. I, I like the idea of him running, too, because he, he was always moving, uh, right? Like, even when he was in the Sorbet Kingdom, he was always moving. He was always doing something. Um, that it's just... what it, We've been doing this flashback for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? And yet... Oda just sums the man up entirely in one page. 
what a what an idea what 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 great structure and it's all nice things too it's like kind of what we were talking about with him smiling at the end it's just everything he's remembering there is all the people who love him it's immediately followed up by um vegapunk just saying your death is a nuisance to everyone who ever knew and loved you and hopefully that kind of sunk into kuma like that he believes it i like i i I like to think so i i love i i like seeing vegapunk absolutely destroyed about this too like like all of the crying in the end of this chapter is so just powerful but like vegapunk just like collapsing on the floor there just absolutely distraught uh with what he's been forced to do here uh it's uh, it's it adds something to him that i've that i was hoping for i think is just because vegapunk is weird (laughs) and and like by design right but like vegapunk is this weird kind of kind of character because you have to take into like context right like he looks like einstein he made a bomb he made a he made an island destroying bomb this is a japanese story like like you can't undo all of these things right and i i was i've I've been trying to get into oda's headspace with who vegapunk the actual stella vegapunk is because like on the one hand he's getting called out by dragon on the other hand he seems like he's not really a joiner for the military then you have the kuma stuff but like here i think this moment is just vegapunk the man not the scientist just the man. like even when he says like this is going to be quick and 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 by the book i'm a scientist i think he's putting on a front i don't i think this is not him the scientist i think this is uh, this this would be the part of him that he doesn't turn into a satellite the the part that you can't the 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 actual human part of him uh and i think that that's a necessary thing to give us um and it does i think it does elevate him quite a bit when you think about him telling bonnie don't go in this room hey i'm sorry i can't tell you what's going on like like it it, it grants us a lot more humanity to him uh that because again, like you said, I don't think he makes it off this island. Uh, it, it's it's going to be critical in making that hit harder. Yeah, I think that's such a great point because it does kind of show Vegapunk is more than just living for science, which was kind of my original thought on him was just he's kind of the most morally gray character we've met in the series at, it's off the top of my head, even back when we just found out that he burned down Punk Hazard a little bit. But this kind of answers that question of is he just going with whoever offers him the best opportunity to advance science for the world? Is he just doing this for the sake of the world? Because he never really stuck with anything entirely, but here he just cares about these people. And we haven't really seen that from him, and nothing we've learned about him before this implied that, so that was just powerful. Just his tears at the end are, like, almost as good as Bonnie's, but those are hers are too strong. Yeah, holy crap, what a page. Like he had drawn that scene before, but I mean, if you told me he never did, I'd believe you (laughs) like just, just absolutely like, like like, again, crying scenes in one piece are, they're kind of like crescendos. uh, So they're, they're meant to be memorable, but this one, I think it's up there with like Robin crying. I want to live uh or uh or uh chopper 
at the uh, at the end of Drum Island, Ugh. like like just one of those ones that's just gonna like sear itself into your brain forever. Which again, kind of reinforces Bonnie a straw hat, but it, yes, so let, let me <laughs> let me poke holes in my own defense, I guess. Brutal. Oh man, I I don't see All her right. joining the crew though. I, I yeah. can't really imagine. Would you would you be okay if she did? Though? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm fine with more straw hats. The more the merrier. They have a a great gang, and if someone could actually make their way into that and feel natural, I think she could. She can definitely get away with that. She kind of fits a lot of roles we haven't had so far. I know everyone's mentioned that they don't have a kid on their crew to kind of grow up alongside them like most of the other famous ones we've seen. And my only thing was that her job doesn't really fit anything, especially because she was already a captain. But I guess Jimbe was so. I don't know. It would just be kind of messy if she added on. Just make something up, <laughs> you know. Like if, if they, like, like, like if that's the only sticking point. But like, I was pretty on Team Yamato joining the crew until it happens. So it's like I don't know what's going through his head. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if he's just still making it up week to week. Well, no matter what, he's still, <laughs> you know what I mean. He's got us beat though, because I can't predict it anymore. Like there's a few things yeah, earlier right. on, but like I just who knows where this is going. Yeah, it's it's pretty buck wild. Uh, on that note, uh, I do want to look a little bit towards the future. We do seem to be at the end of the flashback. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and uh, just to clarify for the audience, uh, it is jump holiday break right now. So there is technically a chapter in production that's already ready to go. Uh, and they're to probably print it on the magazine this week, but it will not be released until the new year. Uh, this was the last chapter for uh, the year of 2023, and what a chapter to go out on, by the way. Uh, that's something they uh, the, the Discord was noting, Hippo was noting in the Discord as well. Just what a what a great chapter to end the year the year on, and uh, and and it is. So we don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I mean that. <laughs> some people sometimes people are like oh i don't know it's gonna- i legitimately have no idea what's gonna happen next um and i won't probably for a little bit uh but do you think uh quinn that this self-destruct button and personality switcher is gonna come back into play i mean if they didn't then what was that point there like uh, could you imagine introducing a self-destruct switch at this point and then just not following up on that it's got to be how he takes Saturn down, which another jumping ahead there, but I really strongly think this is Kuma showing up and taking Saturn down with him, the self-destruct, like with a bear hug or something. That feels like what that was mentioned there for. The personality switch, though, I have no idea. So this would be, this is where I'm going to start tinfoil hatting. Uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> you know, head towards the end of the episode here with this. Um, the personality switch... I'm 50-50 on whether or not it's in Kuma. On the one hand, it would explain some of his behavior. On the other hand, it doesn't explain most of it. And you would think if he did retain some of his will and could switch that, um, he would have talked. <laughs> I guess it's like, <laughs> like, like the fact that like there's Dragon and Ivankov right there and they're asking him to talk to them and he's not even though there's like not really a reason not to at this point i don't know if that works that having been said i think we now have an explanation for the seraphim (laughs) that's fair i i think we've got ourselves a little bit of a trick that he pulled and that i think is interesting 
Because if he did pull that trick and got it past Saturn, if this is in fact the we are heading towards the end of one Doctor Vegapunk, it would be magnificent to reveal that like he did in fact sneak this past this guy and it's in every single Seraphim and like you can't control them actually surprise like that would be oh so much fun I think it would be a weird reveal because they like half the early Egghead stuff was like fighting over control of them but like. I would buy it as like a, this is my last ditch, like surprise for you because otherwise you run away with the world. Um, and Vegapunk's blown up one Island. Why not blow up another <laughs> one with, 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 with Kuma? Uh, I do think though, Kuma too, wouldn't be able to like grab Saturn and like initiate the self-destruct, right? Because it's supposed to be something that they can initiate. And the entire point of it is so that Kuma can't do the thing that you're describing. So, what what um i've seen kind of floated and i think i i think i'm leaning this way too is that it's saturn initiating the self-destruct with the implication that he thinks he's going to get away whether he gets away or not neither here nor there but you know like like what's going to happen is saturn basically falls to his own hubris seems to be where we're headed that'd be great my um my other thought there was just that vegapunk also has control over that and Maybe the neural pathway is something also Vegapunk can only switch, the dual personalities, and he gets Kuma back when he shows up on Egghead. Kuma asks him to light off that self-destruct and kind of makes the choice and, like, has Vegapunk do it with him. Could you imagine if it takes both of them out and that's, like, Vegapunk's way of paying him back, too? Jeez. That would, uh... I mean, at this point, I think whatever happens is Vegapunk, uh, like, like the government cannot let Vegapunk get away. If, if Vegapunk gets away, regardless of anything else, it's an, it's, it is a win for the Straw Hats, right? Like that's the objective is get, get off of Egghead with Vegapunk, uh, which subsequently means like the void century is exposed for, for lack of a better term. Like this is make or break for them uh because because vegapunk like like i guess we haven't really talked about it on on the show in this in this context but like if vegapunk went public with the void century information that's chaos in the streets immediately because he is credible like so many islands know about him owe things to him like he's a he's a he's not just a celebrity he's an authority in this space so if he comes out and he says all this stuff, if he reveals all these secrets, they're done. Yeah, there's no real recovery from that, which is kind of why there's no real recovery. Leaning against like Vegapunk. like if Robin like Robin, you can and that's a part of what they did, right? Is they wanted Robin to be seen as a monster. They wanted to discredit her. They wanted her to they wanted to dehumanize her from the jump, right? And that destroys her credibility right out of the gate, um, publicly, right? And then you get, um, then you get Vegapunk. You can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. Not completely. So they have to kill him. They they just have to. That is the that is the world government objective numero uno. More so than getting Luffy. More so than than even getting Atlas off. I would say. I think they would absolutely make the trade if it was. You know, we can't get the we have to figure out how to make the resource again i think they make that trade i mean they're 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 potentially hundreds of years old already what's a few more right like 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. So whatever happens to Vegapunk, I think it is for the sake of Bonnie. That just seems to be the right way to do that. Fair. Yeah, and I, I kind of lean towards that it's going to be him and Kuma together doing something that makes all this resolve here, because I also, I just don't think things are going to work out if Vegapunk gets off this island. Like, I, I feel like it's a little too early for the Void Century info to get out there. Because then it's just how do we even <laughs> move forward with that? Unless I, I mean, we're well, at the ends, right? Because it's it's cheating, right? Because like Rayleigh could have told Robin everything she wanted to know. Yeah, but but like, I think she has the same mentality as Luffy. Like that, like what's the point if we don't figure it out ourselves? Like what's the point if we don't go find this stuff? If all those books do exist on Elbaf, I need to get to those books. I don't need you to give me a summary. I need to get to those books. So. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> Man. Uh, but yeah, uh, anything else you wanna you wanna bring up, Quinn? Um, I think that kind of covers most of this for me. I just what a great package. Going back through all the events we've already seen and just adding flavor to it is so satisfying. And we haven't really done that too much before, I don't think, where we get to completely revisit events like this. So it just it felt great. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've really done it this way. Like, it's like decks of the world in reverse. <laughs> exactly. That's fun. I, I like that. Well, Quinn, thank you for joining us here on Rookie Pirate Radio. I uh, very much appreciate you taking your time uh, and sharing your insights with us. And what a beautiful chapter to get to have you have you join us. Um, thank you. I'm sure we'll see you in the Discord discussing things with everybody as well. Uh, but as for uh, everyone else, uh, One Piece uh, is on break, so we will be back uh, for the uh, 1,103 review, but we'll probably have a, another guest episode in between that. Uh, still doing a little bit of scheduling and planning on that, but stay tuned. Uh, otherwise, though, since we are going into the new year, I hope you have a happy new year, uh, and let's all look forward to a really big 2024 for One Piece. 